Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 140 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with my co-host, Joshua Perry. Every weekend, there's something strange, fun, exciting that's happening in college football this year. And this last weekend was definitely one of those weekends where there was just a lot of different things that happened. And so we're going to get to all of those things here in a minute. First and foremost, how was your weekend of coverage? It was good. Um, This was a weekend when we started looking at the slate where we're like, damn, there aren't any, like, you know, there are not a lot of great games. Yeah. We had Wisconsin, Notre Dame that people were like, okay, that's going to be one of the marquee games of the week, which had both big noon kick and uh, uh, game day there. So, you know, we, it it was a big game, but it's like, man, outside of that, what do we have going on? Maybe a little Nebraska, Michigan state action in the big 10, Um, (laughs) you know, around the other conferences, there weren't like a ton of, no intriguing matchups and it actually ended up being a really good football weekend I know that's what's so crazy sometimes when we don't think it's going to be dramatic so on and so forth it ends up being that way and so you're exactly right and we're going to get to a couple of those highlights in a moment but first I did want to go over this week's AP top 25 poll and we just go over the top 10 because there was another significant situation but um, the, the top spots pretty much are the same. Alabama with 58 first place votes this week. Georgia with four first place votes. Um, and that was after they just just stomped over Vandy. I mean, it was just a shellacking. And the, the final was 62 to nothing. But like the stats that you would take out of that game, that game in terms of what they did to Vandy, it's just incredible. Can I give you one of those stats real quick? Yeah, would you please? Okay, so <clears throat> Georgia had eight touchdowns in that game. <laughs> Here we go. This is the one. How many first downs did Vanderbilt have? <laughs> I don't think they even had eight. No, they didn't. They didn't. They had four. Yeah. <laughs> so half the amount. Yes. Of, I mean, uh, that... <laughs> they had <laughs> four oh. first downs, and Georgia oh. had eight touchdowns I mean that is just unbelievable right it's nuts yeah it's and Joshua I feel bad sometimes because we're here in Nashville and you have Vandy right here in the city you also have some smaller colleges around but then you have Tennessee that's in Knoxville it's about three and a half hours away but there's just more than anything there's Vols fans here because there's not a lot of Vandy fans that stay here and go you know go back to games and stuff it's just how it is but even now the coverage is just like how much can we cover a vandy when they're just getting stomped yeah how do you how do you manage that it's really hard joshua because i never want to shun like a certain program in the way of not covering them and i'm very specific about that and i have been in my entire career but just when when there's no like reason to cover it yes. because it's like what are we getting out of it 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 and no one cares 
it, it's really a fine line and we just don't do a lot during the week. And then on my weekend show, I will do the highlights mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll do like a clip from Parkley after. And then on Sundays, we'll put them in our Sunday show, but it's very brief. Yeah. You it's, know, it's interesting. Cause we, we have a, um, a very similar battle at the big 10 network because really? well, our duty is to cover 14 schools. Um, yeah, but yeah. deciding how much coverage we want to give or should give to certain schools is always an issue because yeah. the, the, the schools that are going to generate the storylines are obviously the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Penn States and Wisconsin's of the conference, because those are probably the biggest brands. Um, but if you give too much time to those brands, you lose credibility. Right. And so that might put you at a compromised position because you might need more time to cover some of the discussions about those brands. Um, at the same time, you have to give Northwestern, who is not having a very good season, right. coverage. And the same thing with an Illinois, who's really struggling right now. And same thing with an Indiana, which, you know, you can give them coverage because there's such a dichotomy from last year to this year. But then you have to decide how much coverage you give them. And um, our battle is always that regardless of how we divvy up the coverage to whom and and what we try to do to make sure that we're being as fair as possible for the situation, nobody's ever satisfied. Um, And it's really unique. And so I was just curious how, uh, how much coverage people in Nashville would tolerate of Vanderbilt, because I know there's a certain tolerance level at the BTN and our job is even different than what you're doing because you have to cover so many different things, but um, it's always interesting to see how that is divvied up because, you know, it, it, there are so many factors that go into it. Yeah. And you see it at every level. I mean, you see it at the national level too. I just don't think the national level cares what, you know, they're, Oh no, they don't give a damn. They're, they're about market share. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, That's all what that's about. So it doesn't matter. Like they could completely, um, you know, never mention a school ever. And it it is what it is. They're just, that's just how it's going to be with them. But for local and, you know, regional, maybe just a little less intense than local, but local, they usually always want you to focus on the local teams first. But again, it's just something that has not been easy to do with Vanderbilt in terms of football and really basketball, because they've not been great recently at basketball that you just, you go back on the coverage a little bit and it is what it is. Right. And it's just, you gotta, you gotta read the, the viewers and what they're putting on social media, what they're interested, what they're liking, if you're sending out tweets, and just nothing points in the in the direction of Vandy right now. So yeah, it's it's, it's a, unfortunate because you want to cover the guys, right? You want to sure. cover the teams, or for the, sure. Whatever, but and that's it's what sometimes it's, it's just impossible. That's what it's more about. Like to your mm-hmm. point, um, a lot of the conversation, or, or you know, when we're building a show. Um, some of the conversation for me goes back to our duty to the players more than anything else. Like, obviously we have to cater to fan bases because, you know, viewers are the ones that end up paying the bills. But I think there's also a duty to players within the conference too, that we're making sure that we give them the proper coverage that they deserve. And I've, you know, been a player in the conference and that was never a conversation because I was at the, you know, one of the bigger brands at a time where things were rolling. Um, exactly. But if you're a cat from, uh, and I'll, I'll just pick Northwestern because that's Chicago's big 10 team, but like, 
you know, if you're a Northwestern player and they had a guy who, who went for you know, almost 300 yards on the ground or whatever the case was like, even, even though they're playing Ohio U and they're a team that has a bad record, like you have to give that guy coverage and you have to make sure that that's yep. a storyline yep. because he does, he earned the right to be talked about on our network. Yeah, and exactly, because you guys cater specifically, obviously, to the Big Ten, to football at the college level. Like, that's a specific thing that you guys focus on, and so you do even more so have to give that credit to certain players or, you know, performances just based upon that situation. I mean, it's a lot more focused on one thing, so you're exactly right. And and you guys do a good job of that, so. We hope so. Um, if we're not. You do. You do. I, I think, you know, I think you do a wonderful job. It's, it's a great network. Um, it's way better than what the PAC 12 has, but we won't get into that. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything disparaging about any of the other networks. I know. Good job. Good job, <laughs> Joshua. Very smart. Okay. So anyway, Georgia was two and then Oregon's three, Penn State, Iowa rounds out the top five. Now, there's a little bit of shuffling, but Oklahoma is at six, uh, followed by Cincinnati. And then Arkansas, who we'll get to in just a minute, hopped all the way up to that eight spot, Mm -hmm. followed by Notre Dame and Florida. And then if you're wondering, Ohio State slipped down a spot to 11. And then Clemson, this is the biggie, dropped 16 spots, and they're hanging on by a limb. At 25. And this is, it's crazy. I don't know the last time I saw Clemson at 25 or, or not on the poll at all. I mean, the last time Ohio state had to be outside of the top 10 must've been 2014. Right. I mean, and that would, I was just going to say that's been a while, you know, for Clemson, it had to be, um, you know, that 2010, 2011 territory, maybe like, it, yeah, I mean, maybe that's... that long since they've been that low, somebody's got that stat somewhere. So hopefully they'll send us a tweet to correct us. Um, so I'll give you a couple of comments is on Clemson. Number one, I'll start there is they're lucky, lucky to be ranked 25 right now. They're, they are only ranked 25 right now because they're Clemson. Sure. Because their, their resume does not say 25 to me. No, they can't move the damn ball. They are as boring to watch as any national brand right now. And it's a shame because I had high hopes for DJU and some of the players yeah. there. And I think, um, I think parody is good for college football. Um, I also think those guys being good is good for college football because it gives ACC credibility. And now their best teams are NC State and Wake Forest. And that's just, oh, that's a that's... tough situation because they're not brands. No. Um, I'll start there. Second point is Maryland should be ranked above Clemson. Maryland should be in the top 25. Clemson should not be. Yep. That's my hot take. They're There you go. They're rolling right now. They're an undefeated team. They've got the best quarterback in the Big 10 as it stands today. Their defense is a lot better. I think that they're a team that can compete. Um they should be ranked in the top 25. You know, and I appreciate the hot takes because I've heard so many people complaining about oh, even the people I feel like that don't really love Clemson that are sick of seeing Clemson always getting the love or competing in the the college football playoff i heard people be like i can't believe they dropped 16 spots yeah they they earned it yeah exactly and again like joshua said like look at the competition they've played you know 
it, it's just, it's one of those things where we thought a little more of them than what has been, you know, happening on the field in the last few weeks. And now they're done. Like they're not going to play in the college football playoff. No, they're Joshua. cooked. They, I mean, <laughs> what's, what's the, uh, what's the mid tier ACC bowl game? Because that's where they're destined. Like, honestly, yep. I mean, is. you and- look at their schedule, I got to pull it up, but they could lose to BC. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, give me a sec to pull this up. And it's also interesting because, you know, you wonder about these players. They go to a program that's a winning program, and and you think now that they know that they're not going to play for a college football playoff. Like, what do you think the thought process is in some of those guys' head? Like, because I would have to feel like naturally you're you're like, what are we playing for now? Yeah, that's that's the thought process. It's pack it in and and. Uh... You know, like, yeah, I mean, that's what I, let's I, prepare I, for next year. Right. All right. right. So let me get you the schedule. They got Boston College coming up this weekend. Um, that low key might be an L. They yeah. they might lose that game. And I've got a, a BC connection <laughs> now. And I'm hoping that oh. Clemson loses that game. I'm 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 getting in. I'm I'm a BC guy. I'm, I'm going for Vrabel's son in this one. No, it's a different connection. Oh no, but I'm saying Variable Sun plays for us. Yes. And, and I'm so I'm rooting for Variable Sun. That's what we should be rooting for. Is is right? anybody on BC that we can draw just the slightest connection to. That's Absolutely. where we're at. But they got BC, then it's an off week. They got Syracuse who's not very good. Um right. then they got Pitt, and I don't know what Pitt's really doing right now. They got Florida huh? State who's abysmal. They got Louisville who I don't think is very good. They got freaking Yukon. Freaking! Oh, UConn. that's who you, that's who Vandy's playing. It's the bottom feeders. Yeah. Ne- this next we'll, week, we'll oh. see how that goes. Then oh. they've got Wake Forest, which is a losable game. They've got South Carolina, which is a rivalry game, so they're always losable. Like this could be a four-loss team we're looking at. Man, that's crazy to think about. It just this is how quickly college football can change, yeah. right? And you still have Alabama at the top, and Ohio State hasn't dropped significantly. Uh, they dropped though. They, but they've dropped absolutely, and and Georgia, I just always feel like is a pretender, and I I just I know they're better this year, I I do, but I'm still iffy about the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I Look, gotta, that's still a weird thing going on there with that. I gotta watch some tape and give you my evaluation next week because I really haven't seen them play yet. To be yeah, will honest. you? Yeah, I I just think that they still aren't sold on Daniels, and I, I just and I think maybe that's more so of what's in the head, what's going on up there. Mm-hmm. Right. And just, just not having the quarterback situation at Georgia is always weird. It has been for the past few years. Yeah, it's and it wild always, that they haven't been able to get, I mean, like Justin Fields is supposed to be that guy, but like they haven't had that, that, you know, game changer guy in a little while. No. And then they still have put Stenson Bennett in at times. Yeah. Oh. So it's just bizarre. Dude sounds like a, uh, he sounds like a cologne from the 1930s, you know? He really does. He sounds, he sounds like, like, he sounds like my lawyer. He, yeah. He sounds like the dude who invented the printing press. Like that's, that's exactly Stetson know? Bennett. Yeah. And I think it's Stetson Bennett, the third. Yeah, yeah, it might be Go the figure, right? Stetson Bennett, the sixth, who knows? Like it's, it's, exactly. a, it's, a, it's an old name. Um, Gosh. all right, let me get off of him. So, um, the other one I wanted to talk about was Notre Dame. Yes. And based off of record, they have uh-huh. earned the top 10 ranking. But okay, based yeah. off a of resume, they beat yeah. 
Florida State in overtime, who is Ooh, trash. They haven't won they're a game. For. They beat Toledo in a tussle. Toledo's not a good team. No. They beat Purdue in a game that they they blew out in the fourth quarter, but it was it was a four point game going into mm-hmm. that fourth quarter. And Purdue's a better team, but they're they're not anywhere in top ten tor- territory yeah. that should have been as close as it was for as long as it was. And then they beat Wisconsin, and we know what the score to that game was. Wisconsin was leading that game by three at one point. Yep. And had it not been for a kickoff return, um, yep. that game might be a completely different outcome because then Wisconsin got behind in the game and then they had to start throwing the ball, which their quarterback is not good at, which is a wild thing to say. Quarterback's not good at throwing the ball. but he's uh-huh. not. Um, And then they got the ball back and they were able to score. And then Wisconsin's down two possessions now and they're really pressing to throw the football. Quarterback threw it to the other team four times in total. He threw more touchdown passes to the other team than he did to his team. Um, that is no, so wild. Yes. But Notre Dame ran for three yards on 38 carries in that football game. Or Good. 32 carries or whatever it was. God. They ran for three yards and 30-plus carries is what How I'm getting How do you at. even do that? They're not a good football team. And, 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 I mean, I don't know what their schedule is. They've got Cincinnati coming up next. I know that for sure. Let me pull this one up, too, so I can walk through this and tell you where the pitfalls are for them. Cincinnati is that first pitfall. Um, yep. I know this is bad podcasting when I'm sitting here typing and not talking, um, but here we go. Notre Dame schedule. So uh, you got Cincinnati next. That's a home game, but that's a losable game for them. Then yep. they've got Virginia Tech, which could be a losable game for them. They've got USC, yep. no faith. Um, no, North Carolina, which if Sam Howell decides that he wants to play, that's a losable game. Navy, they should win. Virginia has a quarterback who could slice and dice them. So that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, that could get interesting. Georgia Tech and then Stanford. So, I mean, they've got a couple of games out there that are definitely pitfalls, but I think they can also skate through the schedule because I don't see a killer on there. Um, if they can get past Cincinnati and they could fake their way into the college football playoff, which would be a shame because as I watch them, they have some issues. Their O-line is not good. The quarterback play is average as hell. I don't necessarily believe that they have a weapon that can really stretch the field. They got a really good tight end who's probably the best in America, but that's it. They always have good tight ends. I know, and they usually have a good O-line, but they don't this year. And then you look (laughs) at the defense, and I'm not exactly sure the personnel outside of Kyle Hamilton is where it needs to be for a Notre Dame defense. So I'm going to throw that out there. I think that's a real, real pretender right now. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you from what I've seen from them and all the points that you made with those specific positions too. I would be in agreement with you. So I hope that they lose to Cincinnati and and have another loss in that schedule because I don't want, I just for right now at least, I don't want to see them in the college football playoff. No way. Like I'd rather see five other teams, six other teams before them. So um, that's definitely a team to watch here, especially this next weekend's battle uh, with Cincinnati. That should be a good one. Okay. So we wanted to talk about a team I brought up the other day on this podcast, Joshua, because I'm just a fan of what Sam Pittman has done at Arkansas. I mean, this is a team that was garbage just the bottom of the sec for the last several years and they go and they start the season four and oh for the first time since like 2003 i'm 
this is a this is a guy who's got his kids believe in Joshua. They just beat A and M. Yeah, and um, I have to do two things, and I, I hate being this guy, but I'm you know I'm this guy. A um, and M was a, a big ass pretender. I mean, yeah, they got no, in, and you've said that they got into a tussle with Colorado State team, who I got to watch against Iowa, who Iowa struggled with, and I, I'm not totally sold on them either. Um, neither here nor there. A and M was not the team that people thought they were. Right in saying that. Sam Pittman has murdered some teams that people thought were pretty damn good. Yeah. The the competitions haven't been close and I haven't watched all the tape. I I wish that's one of the breakdowns I'm going to do this week too. I'm going to watch these cats and find out why they're playing so well. But the thing that I know is that there are a lot of teams right now who are not winning games the way that they're supposed to, or they're losing football games. And Arkansas is not doing that. Um, and, and I think it's refreshing because, and I talked about this parody in college football, um, earlier in the deal. And this is one of the situations where you get to see a team like Arkansas and the sec, where they have been a basement team now yeah. elevate to the point where we're talking about top 10 in the country. And now Georgia's a big game, not because Georgia's playing in it, but because Arkansas is playing in it. Exactly. No. And that's, and, and I think it's great too, because the storyline with this, is we all talk about offensive line coaches and it's just kind of a it is more of a stereotype I guess in a way but not a lot of them get jobs I mean they're you know this is a Sam Pittenson's a big guy like he's you know your 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 guy next door in Arkansas I mean that's just what he is and the what he's been able to do with just being himself but yet going in there and clearly cleaning up the program clearly making the program better and, and making these guys believe it just, it really has been fun to watch, but this will be fun because he was the, the line coach at Georgia before coming to Arkansas. So yep. that's a, that's a big, this is a huge game it is. for Pittman. It is. And it, I feel like he's in deep down got to be thinking, I just got to prove that I okay. can beat this team. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's say he pulls off the upset and I'm not talking yeah. about, you know, he wins by um, uh, one point or he wins by three. Let's say this dude wins by 17 points. Yeah. Can you can you jump him all the way up to number 2? Could you I put mean, him could you put him at number 1? There's four people who give Georgia number 1 votes and and they're at 2 right now. I yeah. mean, I think you could if you're thinking Georgia's that good. Yes. Okay? And all these people do. Yes. And Arkansas beats them by what you just said. Yes. You have to move them. I agree. All the way up. That's the scenario I want to see. I, I would love to see that happen. Not because would that I have not be crazy? anything against Georgia. No. But for college football, that is the, the thing that makes me salivate. That's the thing that excites me. Yes. Is the yes. team coming from out of nowhere. Nowhere. And beating a blue blood. Yeah. And jumping up the boards. Like, that would be so awesome. I want to see it happen. I this is the game this weekend. Yes. I just I'm I'm obviously a Washington State Cougar fan and a love, but I'm not going to lie. Like I have really enjoyed kind of looking at this team as I love underdogs, and so this this team has been fun. I've for the past three years seen it grow, so I just kind of root for them, you know, especially going up against a blue blood program like Georgia, just mm-hmm. one of those top programs. So it, it'll be. It. It'll be interesting to see. And when we do talk about next week, 
and the games that happened. If you do get to that film, let's touch on that because I'd like to see what you're seeing out of this team. For sure. Um, okay, before we move forward, I did want to just get your thoughts on the bizarre situation that was this past weekend when the Buckeyes were hosting Akron mm-hmm. and linebacker Kayvon Pope, mm-hmm. you know, had a situation where he literally left the field in the game, quit, went to Twitter, was putting up some really just, I don't even know where it was coming from, but mm-hmm. putting up tweets about the team online and um, he's gone. He has entered the transfer portal and he is no longer at Ohio State. I mean, this is that had to have been a crazy story to to see unfold up there. Yeah, um, and it was really interesting too because a lot of the that specific situation, the exchange that happened on the sidelines, I'm not exactly sure that there is um, it's documented on video because yeah. I've not seen it. Yeah, And so all the accounts that I've been hearing and that people have been talking about are secondhand, um, Uh which is really unique. And so for my uh, journalistic integrity, I don't want to speculate about anything that happened on that. But but there's a way to talk about this situation Mm -hmm. and there is a way to bring some context and to ask some questions about it. Right. So earlier in the week, there was another player. Uh, uh-huh. in that linebacker room for Ohio State, who was a four-year player like Kayvon Pope named Dallas Gant, and he transferred out. Um, yes. And so now you've got two players from that class who are four-year players that stayed the course. All of a sudden, they decided enough was enough. Okay. Um, there's a question about that, right? Okay. And then you have things spilling over um, into where that situation becomes public frustration, yeah. From the side of a player. And there is a, uh, you know, it, it's it's a, a public spectacle of how yeah. you have to handle that. And you ask the question, how does it get there? Because mm-hmm. these tiffs and these questions about playing time and rotations are yeah. things that have existed since the start of the game of football. Absolutely. Right? But Absolutely. for those situations as a team, you prefer for them to be handled in-house every single time. Yeah. That did not happen in this specific one. So you asked the why question there, and that's something we'll never know. Um, but now you have to deal with the fallout. And mm-hmm. I, I give Ryan Day 120% credit because after the game, he was asked about the situation. And he said, folks, I don't know what he said on Twitter. I haven't opened up my phone yet. He said, yeah. I, I have to go back and I have to really sit down and evaluate this from a sober uh, yeah. point of view, not all the emotion of right now from a sober point of view and we'll make a decision based off of what happens later. And then um, one of my favorite people, Lori Schmidt did the right thing journalistically and she pressed and she said, at this moment is Kayvon Pope still a part of the team? And Ryan said, I cannot answer that question because I have not spoken to him. We haven't gone through the rigmarole, whatever. And she followed up again and said, so just to clarify, is Kayvon Pope still a part of the team? And they got the whatever. And so for Ryan, as a head coach, he handled that in a very sober and mature way. I'm not going to make a comment or a consideration on what happened without first being in a standpoint where I can do that uh, from a clear mind. It was great. Then it comes out Sunday that Kayvon Pope has been dismissed from the team. And Pope goes on Twitter and he sends out an apology 
which I take at face value um, because I'm sure he went home after that game and said, what the hell did I just do? He probably said, oh my God, I I might've messed up an opportunity of a lifetime because I'm I'm pretty sure he knew that there was no coming back from that. And I'm sure Ryan after the game understood that. Um, But he, Pope made his apology, which I, I believe in his heart, he is remorseful for what he did. It was a very emotional move. And then Ryan comes out with the official dismissal. But within that dismissal, he said that Kayvon Pope will still have access to the student athlete support services, and he will remain on scholarship so he can continue his progress toward graduation. And I, what I love about that situation is a, a young man making an awful mistake should not turn into multiple mistakes that will affect him for the rest of his life. So yep. now football is done at Ohio state and that's a shame and that's a mistake, yep. but he has the opportunity to focus on himself, his well-being, because obviously to be in an emotional state like that, there's something underlying that needs to be addressed for him. Um, and his ability to progress toward graduation and eventually whether he finishes his degree here, or he transfers and finishes somewhere else that right. he will walk out of a university with a degree. I think yeah. it was really classy on Ryan's behalf to make it clear that he was going to allow for that opportunity for Kayvon Pope. Yeah, no, and thanks for explaining all that because a lot of people don't know the full story or just the aftermath of it. They just see like, okay, now he's in the portal. He's obviously not at Ohio State. Um, and it's it's good to hear a little bit more of the specifics with that because when it's all said and done, you just you never want any any of these student athletes to fail in nope. any in any aspect of life, right? And yeah. so and you, you always try to at least hope for the best. And that's the deal. Like, and I don't want anybody to get what you said or what I've been saying misconstrued. Like, he needs to be held accountable, but you sure. you can also hold him accountable and and say that you don't want him to fail. You don't yeah. want this to be a moment that derails him, and yep. it's hard to recover from. It's already going to be hard enough. Because yep. now you're known as the guy who stormed off during the game and then yep. went on Twitter and said some things that are yep. regrettable. But you That's can't it. let that moment become multiple moments later on. Yep. I like the way that you said that. You cannot let that moment be multiple moments moving on. Something we should keep in mind in life. Okay. Yeah. So there was a situation, uh, speaking of another player this weekend, in the Oklahoma game, which um, they barely got away with uh, yeah. a win. That's over a, a phony West team Virginia. we didn't even get to talk that's, about. Uh, that's what I was just going to say. There's another team that we're just like, what's going on here? So Spencer Rattler is supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now. Mm-hmm. And he just really hasn't been that impressive. And so in this game, there and he's getting like he has pay for play like he's getting money right he's got some things going on he's making money as a quarterback life is good whatever so he's in the game and the fans obviously are not liking the situation with this game with West Virginia being so close and there was a point where the fans started chanting the backup snake Mm. and so it was I mean it was loud it was like the whole stadium and they After the game, Holly Rowe asked Rattler about it and said, what did you think about the fans kind of booing or chanting, you know, the backup's name? And he said, I don't care about that stuff. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And she was like, well, you should care about it because you won the game. Like, you know, I mean, 
at least you went out there and did your job and finished it and got the win. So my question that now arises with these situations is now that payers are getting played, do fans have the right to be a little bit more, um, what's the word, hard on them to, to, to be like chanting the backup's name? Okay. Is this appropriate at the college level? I mean, so you said you said inadvertently, uh, payers are getting played. Okay. Oh, and, I'm sorry on. about that. No, sorry I, about that. No, folks. don't don't apologize because that's exactly <laughs> what's happening, right? And 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 I'm not trying to be funny here. You look at um, some of these big sponsorship deals that have been signed. If yeah. you are, and and I'm not trying to disparage these young men. I'm just trying to talk about this from a dollars and cents standpoint. But if you're a company that invested in uh, DJ Uyunglele down at Clemson, yeah. you're you're probably regretful, right? Uh, true. And if you're yes. somebody who invested in Spencer Rattler right now, you might have your regrets about that. And some of these other marquee players across the country, Sam Howell, for example, who people thought was going to be a Heisman yeah. caliber quarterback at UNC. Some of these guys, the the payers have gotten played because they made investments <laughs> into guys who have gotten in that it, it works. It works. You made investments into guys that aren't living up to it. So I think these companies now are maybe going to be a little bit more cautious about some of the deals that they signed. neither here nor there. Not, this is not pertinent to your question. So um, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. No, though, it's awesome. I didn't even know I said that, but here's, here's the situation with me and this booing players in the NIL thing. And I uh, think Spencer Rattler is the, the wrong poster for this because he's got an abrasive attitude and he's also been benched before. Yeah, so it's, yeah, this is not true. like, you know, the struggles are brand new, right? But here's my deal. And this is my take on it. Fans have been booing these cats for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is not new. So I think it is the, the perspective on the question, is it fair to boo them, especially with NIL? Well, you were doing it before. So what changed here? Like you're just trying to find a reason as a fan to justify it. And Mm -hmm. to be, for me, I don't necessarily think as a fan, you need a reason to justify it because as a fan, you're an irrational person already. Your, (laughs) your emotional state and your happiness (laughs) lies too much in the hands of 17, 18 to 22, 23 year olds. Like your mood for the rest of the week is too dependent on somebody else. So you're an irrational person. So you're going to get too happy when things are going well. And you're obviously going to be too disappointed when things are down. So the booing, I think, is as much a natural, visceral reaction as cheering. You don't think, oh, I'm going to cheer. You just do it. And when things go wrong, you don't think, oh, I'm going to boo. Sometimes it just happens. The chanting for the backup, is it a bridge too far? It might be. But at the same time, like, if people feel that way, it it is what it is. These players have to be mature enough to understand that the perspective of a fan sometimes isn't always the clearest perspective, but this and, is well. And ahead. at the next level, if they do go on to play at the next level, you better thick and skin now. That's, that's what I was getting ready to say. Like you have to have thick skin, but there is a line for me. There mm-hmm. is a line and the line isn't that you boo a player in the stadium, right? Because right. You know, that, that to me, it is what it is. I don't necessarily love it, but we, we gotta, we gotta understand that. The line is when you open up your cell phone and you get on Twitter mm-hmm. and you tell a player to commit suicide or mm-hmm. 
you tell a player that yeah. his mother should have never had him or yeah. some of the disgusting things that I've read yep. directed at myself, my former teammates, players playing the game right now, mm. that's where I draw the line. Yeah. NIL, no NIL. These are human beings. Yeah. We, we don't do that to other humans. If you want to boo a cat, okay, you paid, you paid the price of admission. So that's your right. But to open up your phone and now to start taking personal shots and saying things that are really just disgusting, nasty things that do have an effect on people, that's where I got to draw it. Yep, you're exactly right. I mean, when it comes down to it, they are still, you know, in college. These are really young kids, and you can't take it to the level where you're – I mean, I remember we had a kicker once who missed a kick in, like, a really big game in college. And he had people – I mean, it was bad. I think people, like, went over to his – like house that he was living at the time and did graffiti and there was yep. it, there was some bad stuff that happened yeah um and that kind of stuff just i mean should never happen anyway but yeah especially and- a fan doing that but like i feel like you said it just they have a mind of their own sometimes yeah and and again like this is i'm saying this half in jest and it's half true um but you know Fans are the lifeblood of the sport in a lot of ways, just in terms of revenue and in terms of why games are big, like because the fans said it was big and they're excited for the game. And so there is an appreciation that comes along with it. And I think as a player, if you appreciate the people cheering for you as you're doing well, you also maybe need to take a look in the mirror as the people get upset as you don't play well. Um, exactly. You know, you, I, don't, I don't necessarily think you get to have it both ways. I also think as a fan, um, you're – the way that you choose to respect the player should not be based off of how they play because everybody's going to have a bad game. Um, And so there's a lot of meeting in the middle that probably has to go on in this process. And so, like I said, there's a line for me, but the line probably isn't on the field. Now, if you start throwing drinks and and popcorn and, you know, saying really disgusting things to fans as they're walking off the field, as we've seen at times, that that is a line for sure and you're liable to get yep. your ass beat by a player that's not in a good yep. emotional state which i don't condone but i no! I, I don't i don't but i Good i morning. also i also understand that like when when the emotions run high like i don't know I what know. people are going to do um yeah so there's again like this is a very this is the territory that is nasty because we all like the it story is. of you know oh man look at all these people and they're cheering for you and they're wearing the jerseys and they're high-fiving you after the game and then you, you get to this other scenario where the people are calling for your backup and they're booing yeah. you. And you're telling them you don't listen and you don't give a damn. And they're they're in the stands for a reason. Like now this is where it gets a little bit it does. tricky. It does. And so I just, I'm curious as to how that situation continues to go. Like just with his performance, does he, you know, kind of grow a little more here in the next several games? Does he continue to play, you know, under what he should be playing? It It will be curious to see just what the fans do in terms of the reaction moving forward i just wouldn't want to be on campus having all these people be hating on me but you know then again that's that's the role you took on that's the deal i mean that's you know it it, you know comes with the territory yep okay so before we go real quick i did want to mention this this week because we had um Annie Apple, who is Eli Apple, a former teammate of yours, correct, Josh? You played with yes. him, right? Yes. 
Joshua. Okay. So she had mentioned, we had a podcast last week where we went through the whole SEC coaching tree for just what coaches who are in those positions now. And she had pointed out that there were no um, coaches that were African-American and, or any, you know, anything even like ethnicity wise when it comes to diversity, but just not a lot of it. And I went and I went through it again and I, and I was like, Whoa, she's so right. And I didn't even think about it because, you know, Derek Mason was uh, with Vandy for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Vandy's always had a um, African-American uh, athletic director, even before Candace Lee and um, Derek Mason was there. So there's, I mean, it's very diverse there. Vandy's very, you know, there's a lot of diversity there because people come from all over the country right? Um, and, and the world. Of, there are a bunch of smart people there too. They're very shots. smart people. Yeah. But yeah. it's, I, she really brought up a great point, Joshua. And I thought I'd just bring it up real quick on the podcast just to see what you thought about that. Cause I don't think you realized it either. No, there was not a lot of diversity. Not until it was pointed out. And yeah. Um, why part of the reason why it's not as cognizant for me, which is amazing as I think about this perspective is yeah. in the conference that I cover. Yeah. We have a lot of black head coaches yeah. in uh, football. We've got black head coaches in men's basketball as well. And we've got black athletic directors. Yeah, you know, Ohio State has mm-hmm. a black athletic director, Maryland, Rutgers, yep. Um, yep. Michigan State. And I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. There's, I believe, a fifth black athletic director. So um, I apologize for that. And then you you look at some of the head coaches. You got uh, Mike Loxley and you got Mel Tucker in there doing their thing. Um, yeah. James Franklin in there doing his thing. Um, yeah. and, and Lovey Smith just left the conference, but right, um, right. the Big Ten, whether purposeful or otherwise, has figured out a way to ensure diversity within the athletic departments in yeah. key roles. And it's just shocking to me because I don't think twice about it now. Um, and you look at the SEC and... They, they can't, I mean, they don't, the coaching is, it's just no for the head coaches, but like, even you look at the admins and that, that might be a part of the issue is the, the coaching staffs might reflect the admins a little bit. And and I'll I'll say this though, is Nick Saban's always been a guy and, and I'm pointing him out because it's just, I know his track record really well who's hired the best coaches regardless of 120% their background. Like he's had, he's had black coordinators at the same time on either side of the ball. I mean, it it doesn't matter for him. He's trying to get the best damn coaches around. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure that people are doing that though. And what I mean is I think that a lot of folks hire from their, their natural networks, their natural circles. And what it does is it limits the diversity because I don't know how many people just naturally run in diverse circles. Yeah, you're right. It's, and that's a great point that you make. And that's especially true more so in the South. Like that's just a, a, such a, I mean, you look at a guy like Will Muschamp, for instance, he's been at, he's, I feel like he's been at every program in the SEC, whether right. it's a head coach or assistant, he's now at, I think Georgia. Yeah. He's now at Georgia. And, and I'm like, the only reason why you're even here still is because it's down in the South and you've got all your connections. Right. But I mean, you know? that's how it goes though. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that we got to that. It's something that it needs to 
in my opinion, be better in the SEC in terms of just those AD positions. I was really happy when Candace Lee got the position, not only because she is diverse, but she is a woman. Um, that was like a really big thing because yep. there's not a lot of women athletic directors, especially no. when well, you talk about the big conferences. So. Yeah, I was about to say, and um, Penn State got that thing figured out a little while ago. Yeah. With Sandy Barber. And she You're is right. one of the most well-respected admins That's, in yeah. college sports. She's on every committee, on yeah. every board, whatever it is. She's going to be there. Yeah, it's uh, and that's great to see. And so I just hope that it's something that is maybe changes a bit here in the future. And I and I get it. Like coaches leave, and then maybe you don't have as diverse of staff. Right. You, you know, it always can't be perfect. But I just think, like this day and age, there's not one football coach in the SEC. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting. It's tough. And I I, I left out. Um, one black admin, uh-huh. the athletic director for Northwestern, who's new there. We there. Go. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. We talked about this over, yep. um, over some messages, but um, yeah, I mean, not to, to beat a dead horse. Cause obviously we got to move on shows run a little long, but <laughs> I, I truly believe that there is a way to be purposeful in, yeah. in diversity. Yeah. And a lot of people will hear that comment and be like, well, that sounds like affirmative action. And I disagree. I, I I truly believe that there are so many people, whether it's male, female, uh, female, black, white, indigenous, Asian, whatever the case is, Hispanic, that are, they are not in the right circles yeah. to be present to the opportunity. Exactly. 100%. Um, and so I think that there's a purposeful way to make sure that there's outreach to everybody who might be qualified. And then number two, and this is backed by study after study after study, diverse organizations do better, period. Yep. Just period. Like yep. age You're diversity, exactly right. uh, gender diversity, racial diversity, economic diversity, it doesn't matter. Diverse organizations do better every single time. Yep, they do. And that's why, it, again, it, your place of work, it always, it, you kind of see that too, it, just with the yep. environment that's around you. It's no different for, you know, student athletes uh, with their coaches, so. Okay, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. Like Joshua said, we ran a little long, but we scrunched in a whole lot of stuff for you guys. So hopefully you'll have a good listen. You might have to cut it up on your drive home and your drive back, but regardless, there's plenty to get to. Uh, Where could they go to follow you on Twitter? And somebody was making fun of you the other day. Was that like a dance move or like? You what? doing a workout? Oh, yeah. So um, Howard Griffith, who I work with over <laughs> at the Big Ten Network, was making fun of my athleticism. That's um, what it Yeah, now, that's what it was. The, the funny part about that was somebody told him to say it because he, he didn't even see the segment because uh-huh. he was at the, the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game because his son is right. a player for Notre Dame. Um, but, yeah, I was throwing the ball with Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford. That was actually pretty good. That was the most athletic I've looked all year. But you can see the clip on my Twitter account. I love it. Go at RIP it. underscore JEP. Also going to start posting some of my wonderful fashions from the weekend. So you can yes. Check that out too. Yes. Okay. This is great because then maybe we could get some people to, to vote on their favorite ones. And then we can talk about the suit, you know here on the podcast yeah, yeah. i was fun. i was i was in flex territory on this one 
I love good fashion. You know me. You even see on my Twitter. I always give players a shout out or give them a little love if they got fashion going on. So I'm all about that. You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV. And you all have a great week. Good luck to all your teams. And hopefully we'll have some more drama to talk about. Good and bad next week on Press Pass. Take care.